Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. So if you could all find a seat, we'll get ready for what's ahead. Have you ever seen somebody who has uh, gone through the fire and rather than coming out charred and brittle, they come out shining and pliable and gracious and full of life? Well, that's what these guys represent to me. Uh, They're some of my heroes. And uh, I think they've got a lot to say, and I just appreciate, I just think every time they open their mouths, something, some gold comes out. So uh, I encourage you to listen and pay attention and uh, to take heart. So uh, I want to introduce to you Josh and Megan Osborne, give them a warm welcome as they come and share from their hearts. Thank you. Oh, well, yes, my name is Megan, and um, this is my husband, Josh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Josh and I have had the opportunity to share our family story a couple times now. And um, when you tell a story, you tend to start at the beginning, right? And um, Josh and I sometimes struggle with this because the beginning of our family story is so messy. As Josh likes to say, it gets real heavy real fast, and it does. It's true. Um, our girls, Finley and Riley, they were born at 23 weeks, and they weighed one pound, five ounces. They could fit, you know, one in each in Josh's hands, their whole bodies. And uh, Finley passed away a few hours after she was born, and then Riley, not long after, she suffered some massive bleeding in her brain and in her lungs, and... Um, just literally overnight, our world was just flipped upside down and backwards, and uh, we were left with a lot of questions, and here it is three years later, almost four, really, in April, and um, I still have some of those questions, to be honest, and uh, I don't really have a lot of answers, um, and I don't want to pretend that I do, um, but I am learning to dwell less on the questions and the what-ifs, and the unknowns, and dwell more on the stories. Because while I have very few answers, I do have so many stories of God's goodness, and his faithfulness, and his kindness, and his love, and his provision for our family. So I just have a story to share with you guys today um, from Riley's NICU days. And God brought it to mind recently for Josh and I. Um, this past fall, and it really has been encouraging us, and I hope it encourages you, too. Um, Riley stayed in three different NICUs, and uh, she was um, transported to her third NICU by emergency transport. Um, Several doctors had determined that the retinas of her eyes were detaching, and she needed this emergency surgery to try to save her vision. And there's only one surgeon in the whole world 
that does that kind of surgery on babies that tiny, and he happened to be at a Cleveland clinic. So, yes, yes, woo, see? (laughs) Um, So she was rushed to Cleveland. It was a crazy day. Um, Cleveland was crazy that day. It was the day that the Cavaliers were having their victory parade for the 2016 NBA championship. And uh, so the city was packed, and it was crazy. Um, We arrived, you know, in Cleveland not at our best, uh, probably just because, you know, by that point we were pretty tired. And to be honest, can you say this out loud? But Josh is is a huge Warriors fan. And it it was a little devastating, you know, to have to go. And, oh, you know, he was really struggling. So it was just rough. Um... But anyway, we followed that ambulance into crazy traffic, and um, we were less than gracious that day, I remember. And uh, I remember the surgeon running in, and he got his special tools on, and he looked at Riley's eyes, and he looked again, and he looked again. And then finally he just looked at us, and he said, I don't know what to tell you guys. Her retinas look fine. It was amazing. Um, So transporting Riley had been a huge ordeal, and it was really risky. So he suggested, you know, since you came all this way, why don't you just hang out here for a while? Just wait. Let her eyes develop some more, because he could see she would need another surgery down the road. And he's like, I'll do that surgery later. So just wait here. So we did. We waited. And while we were waiting, um, one day the medical team was rounding, And Josh and I overheard them discussing whether or not they should try to remove the breathing tube in Riley's throat. Um, The lungs are one of the last organs to develop in the womb. So various ventilators had been uh, helping Riley breathe ever since she was born. And this was super necessary for her survival, but it was coming at a, a high price because the ventilator was just really beating up her fragile and underdeveloped lungs and... All that oxygen being pushed in was slowing down the development of her brain and her eyes. So um, something needed to be done. But the respiratory therapists were really opposed to removing the tube because while her numbers were good most of the time, you know, 100 being perfect, um, she'd hang out like in the 80s, 90s on the ventilator. Every once in a while, she'd have these crazy drops down into the 30s or 20s. And the concern was if that happened and they had taken that tube out, There just wouldn't be a lot of time to get it back in. So Josh and I were standing off to the side of this little medical powwow, and clearly the case was being made to wait, and everyone was agreeing, and the doctors were just about to sign off on it when all of a sudden this uh, resident student speaks up. And by that point, Josh and I had witnessed a lot of rounds, and we just knew residents don't talk during rounds ever unless they were asked a question. But um, this resident spoke up, and he quietly said, we have to try. And the room went silent. Everybody looked at him. You know, I was ready to lunge across that circle and say, pipe down, buddy, you're a student, you know? Sheesh. And then there was Josh just, like, jumping up and down. He was so excited that something was going to happen. We have to try, despite... Everyone's doubts and fears, you know, we all knew he was right. Uh, They removed Riley's tube that day, and other than when she undergoes surgery, it's never been put back in. Yeah. 
So Josh and I have been retelling each other this story a lot lately. Um, This past fall, we were really wrestling with the decision of whether or not to send Riley to preschool. And um, God brought it to mind, this story. And when I look back on it, I like to imagine, you know, that medical powwow was all there. And I just like to imagine that Jesus was like right in that powwow. And he was nudging that resident saying, you know, giving him the courage to say, we have to try. And we have to try has become the mantra in our house. Um, Many of you know, but for those who may not, Riley has cerebral palsy. And cerebral palsy is a, a general term that basically describes a brain injury that happened in the womb or at birth. And for Riley, this means the parts of her brain that control a muscle movement and vision and how she processes things. Um, those were all injured when she had that massive brain bleed. So Riley has a lot of challenges. She does. But, you know, she has a whole lot of joy, just a lot of joy. And we knew Riley would learn so much in a, in a classroom setting. Um, she loves letters and numbers and um, learning things. She's so curious. So we knew she would love that. And then we also knew that just that kind of a setting would just be really, really hard for her. Um, but God has been teaching me so much through this journey we get to be on with Riley. I, <clears throat> I tend to always sit close to like the cautious side of things on the, on that side of the spectrum. You know, I like to be like really sure before I even take a step forward. I just want to be really sure it's going to be a good one. You know, Josh is much more adventurous, which I'm thankful for. You know, we make a good team. And, uh, one night we were hashing out the pros and cons of preschool again, you know, and Josh said something to me that just has really stuck with me. Um, He said, you know, life is going to be really hard for Riley. Just is. And he said, I just want her to know that it's okay to fail. And that took me aback, you know, okay to fail. That's like an oxymoron or something that sounds terrible, you know. I don't want Riley to fail. That sounds awful. It sounds painful. But then I started thinking about how much Riley falls. You know, she falls a lot. And it used to really scare her. You know, probably does still a little. But she knows now she can get back up. And I'm realizing that we have to create this environment for Riley where she feels safe to try and fail and fall and try again where she knows she can get back up. Um, we did decide to send her to preschool just two days a week, but those, mm, those are two big days for us. And uh, <laughs> when we picked Riley up from school that first day, you know, the teacher opened the door, and Josh and I were, like, anxiously waiting for Riley to come out, and she came out. She uses a, a purple walker when she has to do a lot of walking. So she came out on her walker, and she looked like she had been through it. You know, I think she had a, a skirt on that day, and it was all, like, twisted around, and her hair was real crazy, and her eyes, when she gets tired, they get real bouncy, and they were bouncing all over the place. But, you know, she never looked better to us. She looked so good. Um, I think I was more emotional when we dropped her, or when we picked her up than when we dropped her off, because I just was so proud of her. Um, just nothing can change how much we delight in her trying. So, we have to try. You know, it's, it's changing how we celebrate things in our house. It's changing how we view victory. Um, there's a little purple stool in our kitchen, 
And Riley, whenever she goes by it or uses it, sometimes she likes to tell us the story over and over again, how she fell off that stool and how she hit her head really hard and how she had to have ice on it. And, you know, sometimes just recalling the details, she gets real emotional about it. Um, So we started helping her remember the rest of the story, you know, the part when she got back up and she tried again. And we tell her, you know, that's the favorite part. That's our favorite part of the story. Um, And we whoop it up and cheer every time we tell it. Uh, We have to try. It's changing how we live and love. Uh, Chris recently did this incredible series on love, and it was really challenging. And you can't love like that without getting messy. Um, Sometimes loving like Jesus means we're going to look like we've been through it, you know. And I just wonder, like, how much does he delight in us trying? And Josh has some more thoughts on that. So I'm going to give this to you. Thanks, kid. She did a great job. Always very proud of my wife. Um, so the Bible story that I think illustrates this um, idea of we have to try the best is um, the story of Jesus walking on the water. So when Riley was born, we were um, actually doing a class here at the upper room um, called LDP, and we were assigned a Graham Cook sermon to listen to one week. And in the sermon, Graham Cook has this line. He said, sometimes you just have to get out of the boat and start doing some walking. So that kind of changed completely the way that I looked at the story of Jesus walking on the water. Um, Growing up, learning about the story, I really focused on the part where Peter fails. You know, it went something like the disciples were out in this boat in the middle of the lake, and it got stormy, and everyone was getting kind of panicked, and Jesus goes walking by, and then it gets kind of hysteric, and Peter loses his head and tries to jump over the side and get to Jesus, and he realizes about halfway, like, I shouldn't be able to do this. And he starts to sink, and Jesus comes over and swoops him up, and it's an epic failure for Peter. You know, that's kind of how I viewed the story. But now when I think about it, I think about it like I was actually there, like in the boat with the other 11 guys who were still in the boat. And I think I would have thought something like or said something like, is Peter really going to try to get out of the boat right now? Like, is he going to try to walk on the water? Maybe, uh, Bartholomew, get one of those life vests over here, because I don't see this going well for Peter. And if I was there, it just wouldn't have even occurred to me to try to get out of the boat. I mean, that's like a different kind of faith. I don't know what kind of went off in Peter's head to to make him think, I'm going to try to walk on the water too. And I think Jesus was really excited and delighting in the attempt. Like, all right, let's do this, Peter, you know? I think when he saw Peter's legs swinging up over the boat, he got excited about it. And for the rest of his life, Peter got to say, one time... I walked on the water with Jesus. And it doesn't really matter what happens the rest of that story. That's a success story. If you can start a story, one time I walked on the water with Jesus, that's a successful story. Sometimes I feel like life just kind of kicked me and Megan out of the boat. And um, we've had some days where we felt like we were sinking. Um, But just like when Peter stepped toward Jesus, even though he he did start to sink and, and Jesus came over and saved him, Jesus has been there to lift us up when we've needed him to be there. Um, like when Riley got her CP diagnosis, like that was a sinking day. That felt like we were sinking. Um, but it was about that time that we heard this song by Hillsong. It's called Seasons. And it's a really beautiful song, and it's about um, how God's promises are, uh, are like a sequoia tree. Um, 
there's a line in it that says, your promise is glorious from seed to sequoia. And sequoias start as these really teeny tiny seeds in these little compact little pine cones. But they grow into one of the biggest trees in the world. They grow for thousands of years. I think they are the biggest trees in the world. Um, Ben Tan is the guy who uh, co-wrote and sings the song. And uh, I've heard him talk about how he learned while he was writing it, um, how it's so important for the seeds to experience the harshness of winter in order to grow into these sequoia trees. And it just seemed like the perfect picture of the promise that we saw in little one-pound, five-ounce Riley and how we've been seeing God work in her and through her. Um, She had a rocky start, but I I believe that the harshness of what she goes through, and life can be really harsh for Riley, and she has a hard time seeing, and um, we want her to be able to interact easily with her world, but it's so hard for her to to stand and then to try to to see on top of that and using her hands. um, A lot of times she's just working so hard to just just walk. Um, But uh, I think that the harshness of everything that she's going through is helping her to grow into uh, a really, really beautiful little girl. And um, so when I was listening to this song, the season song, I got this vision. I felt like it was God kind of encouraging me and lifting me up. Um, I just saw Riley standing in front of a sequoia tree. I thought that would be so awesome to see Riley stand in front of a sequoia tree one day. And we've been really challenged, um, especially in the last year with this, we have to try. So last year we did. We, uh, we packed up and headed across the country. And we went to San Francisco first and then on up to Sequoia National Park. And uh, it was an amazing day to see Riley walking in the giant grove with all the sequoia trees. And during the trip, I made this video. Um, I added uh, pictures from the trip to the end of this long collage of pictures of Riley. And um, I set it to the song Seasons. And I, you know, I, the Israelites, they used to make altars to the Lord um, to remember times when he came through for them. And so I made this video as kind of like a digital altar um, to help remember uh, a time when God came through for us, lots of times when God came through for us. And I, I want to share it with you guys, um, and I hope it inspires you to think differently um, about what's possible um, when you're stepping towards Jesus, and um, I hope it inspires you to get out of the boat. So I think we're going to show that now. So um, Riley loves to watch that video. Um, she likes to pause it um, on, the, on the scenes where she's, you know, in the hospital and say, let's count all the things you don't need anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, she's teaching us every day um, to, to, you know, kind of be courageous and step out. And uh, we are excited um, to share what that means for Megan and I coming up next. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're really, um, really, really just excited and thankful, and um, um, we are thankful that we got to come up and, and share with you guys what we're learning, and we hope that uh, it inspires you guys. And um, I wanted to um, just close um, 
by uh, asking the ministry team to come forward and pray with you guys. Well, Father, I thank you so much um, for the chance to come share our story, and thank you for um, your work, and um, I just pray that um, you would inspire all of us um, with uh, the amazing things that you do, and um, pray that um, we would just feel your presence with us when we go into this week. Thank you that you go with each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.